Good evening, folks. Welcome along to another episode of the Endless Celts podcast. Uh, my name's obviously Ross, and I'm joined by two show regulars, uh, Franny and Anthony. How are you doing? Oh, good, mate. Glad to be back on. Just a bit recovered for quiz night, so uh, I wasn't uh, <laughs> chatting all about all things league league in Celtic. Yeah, man. Uh, and a special welcome to our guest, uh, James Forrest, tonight for the Celtic blog. How are you doing, mate? I'm glad, guys. Thanks for having me on. Aye, glad to have you back on. Always welcome. Um, so we'll get right into things. Uh, obviously, start on the the latest game, uh, the Ross County game, which, uh, again, for me, it was a, another comfortable performance. Evening, Jed, back for his holiday. I hope he's <laughs> nice and tanned. There's <laughs> <laughs> pizza. Um, aye, so the Ross County game... <clears throat> uh, We'll just come to yourself first, Anthony. Uh, for me, I thought we played really well in the game, totally controlled it from start to finish. It was never in any doubt the result uh, and just a perfect performance against what could have been a really tough opponent who who is playing, going really well in the league at the moment. But what was your sort of summary of the game? Uh, well, I must admit, mate, up until the red card, I thought it was much of an even-steven game, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, that really killed it as a contest. Um, but, you know, I'm only kidding. I mean, what, uh, <laughs> that first half cut was, you off there. <laughs> <laughs> that first half was absolutely superb. Um, I ended up being with, uh, I took my wee boy uh, to the game on Saturday. and uh, So it's always good when you get quite a few goals because it keeps him entertained as well. But he was absolutely loving it. Uh, we were never never in our seats that first half, especially. We just blew them away. Um, and like you say, County haven't been playing too badly recently. And also, the same as well, we remember what happened up in Dingwall when it was like, you know, very much the, the, the last second when we, when we got the win. So I must admit, there was a wee bit of me that thought, you know, this, you know, when we had the chance to go six clear against Hibs a couple of weeks ago, we um, we slipped up, so I thought we'd, we just we can't let that happen again. But for the minute the first goal went in, you thought that nah, they're, they're in the mid today. This is this is going to be a, a, a proper um, uh, rollover. And all joking aside, fair play to the, the county uh, keeper. Although it was 4-0, he had three or four really top-class saves. Um, it could have been a scoreline that would have been much more, um, you know, sort of... Would, would, would have reflected the game more rather than just a, a 4 0 sometimes just can look pretty routine, but it was a mesmerizing 4 0, um, it has to be said. And uh, we'll obviously touch on the big man uh, later on, but Yakimakis was just sensational. Mahida was looking sharper. Carl McGregor's just absolutely phenomenal in the middle of the park again. And um, although the boys didn't have much to do at the back, um, you know, the defence and Joe Hart just strolled it. Um, I'm actually getting to the point now where I'm thinking Joe Hart shouldn't be collecting his wage because uh, he's not got anything to do for weeks. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. It's all good. And uh, hopefully we can just keep this forum going in post-international break as well. Aye. I, I think you're bang on. Like, you've sort of summarised the game pretty well there. Uh, come to yourself, James. Uh, just sort of obviously summarise the game as well. And who, I mean, obviously it's Plenty to see that Giacomacus was a top performer, but who else, in your opinion, had a kind of sort of top game? Well, um, I, th- I think the team has, has started to play the kind of football they were playing um, just after the January window opened. Um, when we looked like we could blow everybody away, um, I, I think the Livingston result was took a lot of pressure off of in that regard because I think a lot of people were viewing that as being the banana skin game. And now that we're over that, it just feels like Everything's much calmer, and the performance was excellent at the weekend. I actually missed the game because I was in the well, and so I had to shout and ball at the telly for a change. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought the whole team was excellent. It was good to see um, the midfield playing well again. Um, I think Callum McGregor's been exceptional in the last three or four weeks, but Jack Marcus is obviously the man at the moment. He's the form guy. Um, it was great seeing him get another hat trick. Superb. His confidence must be sky high. And I think there's a legitimate question now whether you would drop him for Ibrox even if we had a fully fit squad. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice place for the manager to be in. Aye. And I, I think that sort of speaks volumes of his performance. His performances with the fact that he's at the moment, 
he's getting towards undroppable. <clears throat> um, it certainly is the central striker. Uh, but, I mean, touching on his hat-trick, uh, Franny, what did you think uh, the hat-trick and his like, all-round performance in general? His all-round performance was, was really good. Like, as I've been saying, it's, his confidence will be, must be fine. He scored, obviously, a hat-trick in his previous game uh, and then follows up with another hat-trick. I, I really like the second goal, just how the instinct to just adjust <coughs> and direct it to the to the right hand side away from where defenders were and stuff and then the first goal is like Yota just hangs that cross up and there was only one winner Giacomacus was was winning that there was nobody was stopping him doing it the penalty it was the penalty was much like the Livingston one that he missed it was quite a lazy looking penalty it's just the way he hit it but obviously the keeper went the, the wrong way but I right. totally get if I if we've got a fully fully fit team I don't <clears throat> I don't see how you can you can drop him, uh, especially going on his, his performance, his 60 minutes against the uh, uh, Rangers at Park Head. He was, yeah. was brilliant that day. And, like, probably myself, I was a bit guilty judging Jack and Marcus when he wasn't fit at the start of the season, but we weren't really aware of that until after the Aloha game when he said, Judge me now, I'm fit now. Judge me mm-hmm. now. And I, I'm sure it was me and Stephen done the podcast after that game. And I was like, Well, if he can get 10 goals in all competitions, I'll contribute massively to the, the end of the season. But he's on 12 now. And he's mm-hmm. potentially maybe got, I, I think 20 might be, I, I don't know if 20 is out, out of stretch, but you can see now, you can, like, why this guy <coughs> was top goal scorer in, the, in the, the Dutch league and stuff. Like, like we said the other day, you don't score 26 goals, regardless for a relegated team in any league if you're a bad striker. And it's, I'm not saying, I write him off and I'm not saying I was always knew he was going to come good, but I think now when you're Jack and Marcus, I think you can only judge for after Christmas really for the Aloha game. It's the previous six months before that, I don't you can tell the guy just wasn't fit. He's just like Russell Boyce said, he's just absolute chaos. Absolute chaos and he just like in the nicest possible way, not to downgrade him so I think it's a lot more than that, but he just it causes havoc in the boss. He's he's like a big bully in that he just loves Loves the fighting. Uh, the guy's just flying, and now I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be dropping him anything soon. Mm-hmm. Mm. I I agree with that, and I mean I think he's a, he's, he's much more than just a big like oh, arm ram. Aye, yeah, aye. I, I'm, aye. But uh, I mean, I I just want to say that like welcome along to everybody and stuff like that. But I, I'm going to do my best to try and keep up with the comments, but uh, multitasking is no my forte, so <laughs> apologies in advance. <laughs> uh, but um, moving on to like the the sending off, Anthony. Uh, what about your what was your thoughts on that? What what do you do you feel it was a sending off? For me, I, I think. Sorry, <laughs> for me, I think it was a sending off. I, I, I think it's there's absolutely no doubt about that, and. Like there's guys like Halliday and stuff on Super Scoreboard last night try to say like that it wasn't a sending off and excessive force that doesn't always come into play and stuff like that. But I mean he's been he's took the ball, but he's he's he knew exactly what he was doing and he, he was taking the man and the and the ball. Uh, but what about yourself? What what did you think? Well, what's the matter? I was I was in the queue. Um, I was just coming back from the the queue uh, at the food bit, just as it, as it happened. So I didn't see the incident straight away, and I didn't. Even the fans over in the north stand didn't go sort of as crazy as you normally would. You would expect them to if it was, you know, an absolute blatant sending off. And um, there was like a bit of a a cry around the ground of when the red card was flashed. There was a bit of surprise. But I don't, as I was discussing with one of the boys sitting next to me, I don't know if it was the shock of, I can't believe he's gave a red card there, or just the fact that the referee had actually finally got a decision right um, in Celtic's <laughs> favour. So, um, having seen it again, I mean, it's a red card for me, but, um, but no question. If if he doesn't give a red in that instance, um, for me, Ross, it's, you know, it's just another one that you put in the, the column of, Shockers um, that the referees haven't got right this season. Um, you, you take that on board. I think, yeah, he did take the ball and stuff. But when, when you look at from where he studs are, from where he from where he makes impact, there was obviously 
I, I, I tell um, or I'd read some of the comments uh, that Andy Halliday, you know, you know, he's he's up there with, with the Chris Boyds of this world, you know, just utter, utter clowns who can't even be the, the least bit, um, you know, impartial. Um, he was probably cheering them on when he watched it. Um, and the fact that Tom Rogic had to go off injured after it can tell you as well that it was a bad one. Um, so, yeah, red card for me all day long. And, um, yep, he, the referee got it spot on. I don't, I don't know how you can argue that. I take it you share the same sentiments, James. Aye, and not only is it a red card, it's not even a necessary red card because the guy commits a couple of fouls before it, including one that's almost identical to it, and gets away with it. And if he gets booked for one of them, he doesn't make that stupid lunge in the first place. It's another example of referees letting players away with murder against us. I mean, he's given a red card eventually for an absolutely ridiculous and reckless challenge. But if he Books a guy for one of the earlier ones, he doesn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Aye. Lanky's coming in there. I can see us scoring nine goals against one of the top six before the end of the season. I mean, it's, it's very possible, but keepers are having good games against us now. Uh, what about yourself, Randy? Do you think that's possible? What, the 9 now? I, I think Aye. Saturday was a good chance, I think, because... We were three and up after twenty odd minutes, and they're down to <coughs> down to ten men. I think I think Saturday was a good chance. I mean, it would be good to see. I I don't really think it will happen because you seen like games like Saturday when you go up three 0 the team sort of uh, not play within the ship, but they they drop Abels. So I think they're keeping a wee bit in reserve and that just for the the remaining games and stuff. So as much as I would like to see it, I I, I honestly can't see it happening. Yeah, no, I mean it, w- it would be good, but at the right. end of the day, at this stage, it's not that happens every year. It's, it's, but it's three points, one nil, two nil. It's three points. Do you know what I mean? That's all mm-hmm. that matters right now yeah. at this stage of the season. But uh, I'm going to let you know that um, obviously we're sponsored by Manscaped again, so I'm going to have to go through the sort of we mm-hmm. uh, and read it out. Uh, so just bear <laughs> with me here. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend that I've uh, memorised it. I'm just going to read it straight off the phone. There's got to be no eye contact. <laughs> um, no, 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 like the last time. <laughs> you, you've made me fully aware of it now. <laughs> um, so, this episode of the Endless Celts podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers pre- precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and have engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, has now launched all over Europe and features wireless charging, a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and comes with additional guards sized 1-4 to fine-tune your trim. And thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, you can now feel confident shaving your buzz. So join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SELPS. That's SELPS at manscaped.com uh, and the link's in the description below. Well, thank God that's over. Tell you what, son, Del Boy himself couldn't have done it better. Tell you. Uh, no, I'll tell you, there's some of the big words in it. What's that, James? I see it's a matter of time before they ask for an on-air demonstration. Uh, and well, we'll, that. we'll get Anthony <laughs> to do that, aye. <laughs> <laughs> the little ball cup. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, so, I, I, I want to move on to, away from the game, the sorts, and move on to Big Julian. Uh, he's a guy that I rate uh, and. I think, had he not got the, the bad injury, we might not have seen Carter Vickers in this Celtic team. They might not have went for him. Um, but now it's now at the stage where I, I don't know how Julian gets back into this team. And my question to you, Franny, is do you think, depending, it's probably depending on the Carter Vickers situation, but 
Do you think that he could be departing us in the summer? Or do you think there's still a place for him in the squad? I would say there's still a place for him, but I don't think he's got to stay and be like doing the role he's doing now. That's it. Like we've obviously said you wouldn't change the back four at all, especially the, the Starfelt and Carter because you don't change that at this stage of the season, considering mm-hmm. their record as well. But if we're going into next season, say we've fingers crossed we're signed Carter Vickers, I think Julian may look to move on then because Again, why would you break up Carter Vickers and Starfield? <clears throat> as much as I think Julian looks an Ange-type player, like he's great on the ball, can pass it along, just ever a bit of modern-day sort of a defender, I feel like. So for me, I think he would fit great into the way Ange wants to play. But yeah. the guy costs £7 million, probably on a decent enough wage, and he's at, what's he, 29 30 If we send Carter Vickers, I'd... I honestly don't. Maybe Angel maybe won't be able to free up some wages to get somebody else in. I just I, I don't see him hanging around if he's got to be playing second fiddle. But he's I, I, a player I really rate because he's, he's got a presence. He's, he's for a scoring defender. He's actually pretty decent as well. So he has got attributes that I think would be beneficial. But it's one of the things like you say. It's, I think a lot's got to depend on Carter Vickers really. Uh, well, there's Ian McIntosh, he's saying don't split up the best defence in the league. And I mean, and then he's coming in again saying I think uh, Celtic will want Julian off the wage bill. But I mean, I- I'm not saying right now split up that defence, that's just madness. You wouldn't do that uh, at this stage of the season. But uh, for me, if Carter Vickers doesn't stay, then there's definitely a place there for Julian. Mm. Um, but it's offs and butts and now we just need to wee, see what the summer brings but what about yourself James what's your thoughts on Julian at the minute I don't know how, how long has he got left in his contract is it only is it a year sure. I'm sure um, as you see if Carter Vickers goes then well, there's no way you can let Julian go as well um, no but I would but I think Julian's a great squad player they have regardless the question will be whether he will watch the stage he's already guaranteed to play every week. But I probably think Christopher Julian will challenge for us for placing this team regardless of who else is on it, I think. Absolutely, aye. I agree with that. What about yourself, Anthony? It's, uh, it's a bit of a, a conundrum, to be honest, Ross, because I think of, of the three, and yet maybe even four if you include uh, Stephen Welsh as well, I would put Carter Vickers at the top. He's I would say he's the, the best of the four. So it's a case of, and if you, if we let's talk positive and let's say that he does sign uh, on a permanent basis, you're left with the the, the sort of, who, who do you put alongside him? Now, Starfelt and Julian actually have got different qualities. I think Julian is better, he's more of a goal threat for a start. Um, he's obviously um, scored a few important goals for us. Uh, you obviously think of the ones in Europe uh, to start with and the winner against Rangers in the Cup. What he does have a tendency to do, though, is against the sort of the teams, let's be respectful, call them the more the bottom six clubs, when perhaps the strikers tend to get a little bit more physical and they tend to be a bit more verbal. He has been known to get a bit over emotional, invest, emotionally invested in the game, and that can cause them to make silly mistakes. Yeah. Whereas Starfelt can be prone to, but he's but he's great on the ball and he's, he, 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 he kind of strides over the pitch. Even alone that brief cameo he made against Raider Rovers, it just looked like he just slotted right back in like he'd never been away. you got to appreciate who we're playing, of course, but I still think he would do that against most teams um, in the SPL uh, and against a lot of teams in Europe as well. Starfelt, on the other hand, can give, give you the bit of the jitters in uh, a lot of games. Sometimes he's, <laughs> there is still the odd pass that goes astray and whatnot. Having said that, in the games where, the, you know, the nitty-gritty games, he'll put his head in where it needs to be. He's absolutely fearless. I mean, there's been some games this season where he, you know, you'd think he'd rather get brain damaged than, than have a ball um, than not win a header. Um, so... Like I say, I'm, I'm probably going off on a long hang way to say, I, you know, I don't know, to be honest. With you. <laughs> Personally, if if we can, if you would like to think with the, the monies that we would make were we to win this league and then qualify for the Champions League, that the money would be there to keep all three of them. Um, mm-hmm. Time will tell on that front. But um, I just think it'd be a fantastic um, 
competition between them all. And I include Welsh in that as well, because I think he has come on leaps and bounds. He showed a lot of promise last year, but he was obviously thrown in at the deep end in a season that where anything could have went wrong, it did. Um, he's obviously not featured as much this season for obvious reasons, but when he has, I think he's he's come in and done well as well. So you've got four top players there competing for two slots, um, all things going well. So, yeah, to sum up, yes, I would keep him if he wants to <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a no-brainer to keep. Have you got to say something there, James? No, I liked um, what Elfin um, said in his comment there about um, if he's in his final year, his deal... Would you get an offer that would be worth losing him for? I don't think you would. I no, think that's a fair point. I know I was got to touch on that actually, but I, I totally agree with that as well. But um, I, I I think it's a no-brainer to keep Julian. It's whether he wants to stay, but he's not going to want to stay. I don't think and play the role that he's playing just now. But that's down to him then to knuckle down in the training, show the manager what he can do. I think he's probably doing that at the moment. Uh, but again we go back to there's no way Ange's going to split that partnership up but in the summer in the pre-season in the the pre-season matches if he if he shows that he's a better option than Starfield I'm sure that Ange will go with him uh, but and, and it's, a, it's a great option to have uh, and again it just shows the, the sort of strength and depth that, depth that uh, our squad is beginning to get uh, and it's it's just good to see. Uh, but moving on, uh, I'm trying to keep up with these comments, but they're coming in too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know who I, I, I don't know if Joe Finley's talking about Julian or Starfelt on the decision making. If it's if it's Starfelt, I, I sort of know what he's saying. Um, but I think he defends his his area as well, and he wins his headers and. Somebody else had, I don't know who it was, somebody else had said that they feel that Starfelt's actually played better than Julian eh, in the last, sorry, two or three weeks. And, eh, no, Julian, sorry, better than Carter Vickers. Lanky 67 it was, played better than eh, Carter Vickers. And I, I don't think you can really argue with that. Um, I think mm. he's, he's not put a foot wrong. He, he just looks awkward. I mm. think I think we can all agree with that, but He's, he's doing the right things now uh, in a Celtic top. You can't complain. Uh, but moving on to the... Uh, we obviously touched on Giacomacus at length, but uh, go, I mean, going forward, obviously Kyogo's coming back into the, the four. Uh, he's starting to get fit again. Uh, I'm not 100% sure when he's due back, but just for talking sake for the Rangers game, if he was fit, would would you go Giacomacus or would you bring Kyogo straight back into the fold? Uh, what's your thoughts on that, James? Well, <laughs> well, see, we've got three very different kinds of strikers in the Celtic Park. We've got uh -huh. the big physical guy who can bully defenders and he's, he's proved he's a goal scorer. We've got Kyogo, who I think is probably the closest to a Larson type player that we've had for ages. But if we want to play counter-attack in football, We've got Maeda, whose pace is just going to outstrip everybody that we come up against. I mean, Andrew's now got a very, very potent box of tools, and you pick the best one for the job at hand. And my old man thinks that Kyogo should start at Ibrox if he's even 75% fit, because they're absolutely scared shitless of him. But they would scare shitless to Jack Marcus to sell Park as well. And I don't know mm -hmm. who the best bet there is. I know Andrew's trying to find a way to play both of them in the same team at the start of the season, and that's maybe something that he's got in mind for Ibrox. I mean, if he did that, actually, with the way the team is settled in, I don't think we know what to do. I don't think we know how to deal with both of them. Aye. Um, if he plays only um, left and between Maida, I think that might be an interesting idea. Aye, well, I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one, like, but for me, j just purely because. A match fitness, I would probably go for Giacomacus. If he'd a, a run of games behind him, then it's a different story, but it's like you say, we've got all these options, and we've said in previous podcasts that Ange is, he's not actually got a, a best 11, he, he's he's picking 11 and playing the fixture. Uh, and this Rangers game at Ibrox, I actually, like if Kyogo and him were both 
fairly fat and had been playing a runny games, I don't know what one would be better for to play mm. the fixture. But it's a tough one. What, what do you think, eh, Franny? I think for me, uh, I, I think I'm going Jack and Marcus at Ibrox, even if they're both fully fit. I just think the way the way he bullied them and the way I think he was bullying them going forward in that game as well, I just think, like James said, they'd be shitting themselves. Just, I, I think he's made for that fixture than now. And... But it's like you say, it's just it's it's not a bad option. Both of them fully fat, and obviously Maeda comes out of the equation as well. But he has looked a lot better out left of late. So I don't know if you could actually somehow get Maeda, Jack and Marcus and Kyogo as the front three. I think you lost a bit of Kyogo when you put him out wide. But it's maybe some way to look at it. I don't know. Really? But it's uh, it's for me. I would have to go Jack and Marcus. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of disagree with that. It's... I was going to, to say something, it was just a total... <laughs> 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 uh, I was trying to read the comments and then I was trying to read what I was going to say and it just went. <laughs> what In the long run, I don't know about Starfield. He's very proactive going into challenges and gets exposed by better teams. Uh, I kind of know what he's saying there. Um, mm. But aye, the, the, the Kyogre, that's what I was going to say. So the, the, I've, re, I've regained my composure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Kyogo and uh, Giacomacus one right. For me, I think it's a bit similar to your sort of Rogic O'Reilly quandary. And that for me, uh, maybe, maybe going forward, Rogic and O'Reilly will prove us wrong. But at the minute, it looks like the least effective partnership in or the, the least effective coupling up in, in that midfield three. Um, and I think for me, it's similar in the front three, whereas I think you lose a bit of Kyogo playing him out wide. Yeah. I think he's better through the middle. So And obviously, Giacomacus is never going to be played on either side of the front three. So it's for me, it's one or the other. Uh, and again, it's to play the fixture. What do you think on that, Anthony? Yeah, pretty much what, what, what the boys are saying, Ross. For me, I would start Diakimakis 100%. I think it, it, where, where he not perhaps in the best of form himself, then you maybe it raises it, it, that question gets raised in a different way. But mm-hmm. I mean, he scored two hat tricks in the last three games um, in league forum. He's and he scored two um, up at Tanadice as well in the cup. He's absolutely banging for him. He's match fit. Although he didn't get on the score sheet in the 3-0 game at Parkhead, he was absolutely magnificent that night. He bullied the Rangers' defence the full game. And it was his... And, of course, Alan McGregor um, had an Alan McGregor game, and that's what prevented him from uh, from getting on the score sheet. But it was the off-the-ball movement, which we not, but ironically, we, we, we praised Kyogo so much for. Yakimakis' off-the-ball movement that night that, that allowed the likes of Hatati to get into space was absolutely superb. And um, I think... I think it would really disrupt morale or his morale for me if, if at the first possible opportunity he was dropped for Kyogo, who's not kicked the ball since Boxing Day. I think if you have him bang on form, ready to go, ready to bully them in their own patch, you start with him. But if possible, if, if he's, even if, as James, if he's 75, 80% fit, bring him on. Yeah. Because... That 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 guy, or even at that kind of sharpness, is cap- more than capable of uh, of changing a game, like we've seen in the cup final. So it's a brilliant sort of you know conundrum to to have. But I think for me, you got to go with the guy that's in for him. There was a, this question in some other fashion, believe it or not, was raised a few years ago, and it was the game when we actually we lost the Rangers just after Christmas, and it was around it was a year that. We had signed Edward. So Edward was a £9 million signing. Started the season great, but he got injured about November time. And of all the people that came bang into forum that day, uh, that, that, in that period, was Mikey Johnston. And um, Mikey Johnston was banging for him, banging them in right, left and centre, turning defenders inside and out. And it was coming up to the, the game at Ibrox. And they were sort of saying, oh, well, you've, you, you know, you've got to... 
who do you play between the two? Now that's the that's the difference in quality. With the greatest of respect to Mikey, he's not at, at that level yet. And I think he did start. I think Brendan Rodgers started with Mikey Johnson that day and he never picked a ball. Yakimakis is a far, you know, more of a physical specimen as well for me. He's not raw. He's he's ready to go. And for me, you know, it's the old saying: if if something's not broke, then you don't need to try and fix it. Um, so I'd start with the big man and have Kyogo uh, off the bench uh, later in the game. Aye, I mean, for me, that that's that's probably what I would do as well. Um, but it's as 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 I say, it's a good problem we have. And like for for me, like I've said, I don't think it's one or the other. What, what about yourself, Randy? You think it's one or the other? Do you think you can shoehorn them into playing the same team at at, at any point? I dare say there will be games where you can maybe try and play two up top, but or actually, hopefully, we're not actually going to be chasing a goal or any of the games that remain in the season, but you might want to go change up and go a bit two up top. But I'm with you, Ross, it's, it's one or the other. And we've, like we said, we, we track to shoehorn them in it and seems kind of fixed on this 4 3 3. So I don't I, I don't see how you do shoehorn them in unless you're putting up uh, Kyle Boy wide, which we all don't want. Aye. I think most of the comments people are in agreement that they would go mm-hmm. with Giacomacus for the game at Ibrox and like Anthony says it would really be a kick in the teeth for the guy if he was dropped at the, the first sign of Kyogo being back or even like no even had a game yet do you know what I mean just thrown straight back into the fold and probably well I don't know if it's the biggest game of the season but certainly one of the biggest games of the season Um but aye, it's, again, time will tell. But um, moving on to sort of, obviously we've had this international break now. Uh, we've got a lot of guys away. Maeda and Rogic have made the trip, which is a bonus. I think Maeda, I think he was, it's possible that it, it's only tiredness with him uh, that he's been omitted. But Rogic has obviously he's picked up that injury, so we hope that, that this two-week layoff allows him the recovery time that's needed. Uh, obviously, we've got a few under-21 guys away, Johnny, Kenny, uh, Olu Awemi, and uh, we've got our uh, great Dane, Matt O'Reilly. Didn't think I would call him a great Dane, but there you go. It's <laughs> a Danish name, isn't it? Aye. Uh, and we've got Abada and Welsh away with their under-21s. And then we've got our Big players McGregor, Taylor, Beaton, Giacomakis, Juranovic, Atati, and Starfelt, who's obviously been called up to the Sweden squad. I think that speaks volumes for what we've been sort of touching on. But uh, I mean, I think it goes without saying, James, that we hope that all of them come back unscathed and play as little minutes as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. The one thing that we'll not get anyway is this manager. Um, pulling players in international teams without a good reason. That's why when Maeda pulls out and Rogic pulls out, no matter what the safe corners might want to tell themselves, this isn't because we're running scared in anything or, or, or anything like that. This manager believes in international football and he believes that players should want to represent their country and he's not withstanding anybody's way. In fact, he's, I, I've never heard a Celtic manager so encouraging about players going and playing international games. So, I mean... Aye. I just want them all to come back in one piece. <laughs> Aye. But it's like Jed said in the comments there, look at the amount of players that we've got away now representing yeah. our country. It's, it's, it's great and it, it just speaks volumes for how the team is performing at the minute. But obviously, I, I'm assuming that you echo uh, James's sentiments on all these players that are away, Anthony. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we were we were hoping that this was going to be the week that we were we had a, a sort of week of destiny for Scotland, and you know we we're hoping that we would be enjoying looking forward to going off to a World Cup at the end of the year on top of uh, all the success that Celtic have been having. But uh, obviously, circumstances have you know, prevented that from happening. I hope that you know, you know I like Steve Clark. Don't get me wrong, but I hope that there's a bit of common sense applied now to the likes of Callum McGregor. Um, you know, I know Carl McGregor will be desperate to play every minute of every game. That's just the type of player that he is. But um, there is absolutely no way that he should be featuring, you know, 
you shouldn't be playing 180 minutes the next couple of uh, games uh, for Scotland because they are, that you know, they are in the playoffs now. It's um, they are friendlies, and mm-hmm. I would argue they're not even friendlies at the time of year when Clark can look at trying to change his system or anything like that. Steve Clark will know by now how he's going to line up when it is the World Cup playoff uh, fixtures, I would imagine. And this is maybe just a slight experiment to see what he can what he can move about with. But I don't think that you can, with any with any justification, have the likes of Cal McGregor playing uh, 180 minutes of football. So hopefully a bit of common sense can be applied there. And hopefully as well, I mean, I appreciate that for a lot of the games, um, the other nations... They, they are, you know, the, the playoffs, so you have to expect that they are going to play a lot of them. But the way that this team, this team's so fit now, and uh, to go, and they're on that kind of crest of wave momentum-wise, that they'll just see it as another game, and then they'll be back. I think they'll be rearing to go. If, if there's a game to come back to after you're tired of an international break, it's uh, over to Mordor, um, and beat them <laughs> on their own match, and, you know, set a nice, uh, a nice wee cushion between us and them in the league so even if all of them play every single minute I still think they'll all be ready to go uh, a week on Sunday uh, I mean if you if you can't get up get yourself up for a week on Sunday you, there's no point you being at Celtic really mm-hmm. especially with what's at stake it's mm-hmm. but uh, I mean for that last <clears throat> uh, guys away there was one omission Franny uh, and that's Anthony Ralston uh, were you surprised at him not being included in the squad this time around? Oh, I was, but I suppose, like we've been talking selfishly, I'm glad he's not on the team because it's it's one less guy we've got to worry about not getting injured. But like Stephen O'Donnell's no, not really kicking a ball for, is uh, it still at Motherwell, isn't he? Or is he mm, I think he's still at Motherwell, eh? Yeah. Uh, no, is it? Ab- no, I think it's Motherwell. I, I don't know. I Then Patterson. Is he's played 45 <laughs> minutes against Bowdoin Wood and got hooked at half time, and Ralston kind of got ahead of that. So, I mean, I know it was we were meant to obviously be playing uh, Ukraine and stuff, but this team was, wasn't announced. So, I would have understood if we were playing Ukraine and the team we picked was the team we picked because he's got to kind of go with the tried and trusted that got him into that position. I can I could understand his argument in that sense, but it's a couple of friendlies and you've got. Like, I don't really know Tavernier's numbers, but I think goal contributions, if he's no top, he's got to at least be second Ralston and goal contributions this season. So how you can pick that in the Scottish national team, I, I honestly don't know. But selfishly, I'm glad because it's, it's one less player we need to worry about. Aye, aye. I, I mean, to be fair... I, I, I do really rate Patterson. I think any time he's played for Scotland, he's been excellent. But mm. I was going to make the case there that you have to pick the guys that are playing for their club, but perhaps he's not, <laughs> playing, he's not playing week in, week out. <laughs> eh? So it's that sort of steps in that point. But it's a tough one. I feel for Patterson because he's went down there and he's not getting a look in for whatever reason. But mm. I, I think for all the world, he was if it was 16 million, I think through time, I think he'll re- repay that back to Everton. I think he will be a, mm. a player that plays in their squad. But I think Ralston must be very disheartened. When you look at it, like like when he, I think it was maybe Anthony that said there, like, it, it, these are only the qualifiers now. If you're wanting to bring guys in to sort of test the water, see how they, then surely Ralston's one of the guys and he's, he's mm. not even looked at him. It's it's a bizarre decision, but again, like you say, it's it's one that we welcome at this stage of the season. Uh, and I, I think it goes without saying, I hope Scotland do well in the the, mm-hmm. the friendlies. We were hoping that it was going to be the qualifiers, but circumstances didn't allow that. And it, I mean, it's absolutely right that they didn't go ahead. Uh, do you, would you agree with that, James? That the, obviously the game shouldn't have went ahead, and we're glad. Yep. But if I can touch on Ralston for a wee minute, um, I, 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 I think that he'll, I, I think Ralston can afford to do what he's done at Celtic. I think he can afford to be patient because I, I, I don't think that there is a, a player in Scotland 
who showed more character than Ralston did this season. Because that guy had spent the entire summer reading about how he was up with the requirements, and every single day that he picked up the newspaper, he'd be replaced by this player, and they're looking at that player, and they're looking at... And all he did was just dug in, worked harder, and brought in Andrew's team. I think when he gets in the Scotland side, he'll cement a place in it, and he'll be there for years. So if, he, if he's patient, he'll get there. Aye, I, I couldn't agree more on that. It's, he's got time on his side. Uh, I'm just trying. What's Joe Finlay? Anthony's right. No beating about the Scotland friendly with Poland is a lot of bash. <laughs> Unless Holy Goalie is over at endless Celts to approach him for interview. Well, uh, by the way, let, let's get the wheels in motion. The Holy Goalie <laughs> on the endless Celts podcast. I'm John. Sorry. Over to you, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just sort of, I'm going to move on to, it's just, it's just for a, a, a wee bit of fun, I know it's a bit soon and stuff like that, but I'm sort of what I maybe touch on, like a preferred starting 11 for the game at Ibrox, pre the friendlies. Obviously, we could there could be injuries between now and then, we hope not, but uh, just like, Give me what your starting 11 would be for that game right now, Anthony. Okay, Doc. Putting me on the spot there, mate. Uh, <laughs> so, the, the back four um, just picks itself. You know, obviously, all going well that everybody's fit. Um, the usual uh, keeper in back four. Um, McGregor, obviously. And this is where I'm, I'm going to say Hatati. And I'm going to say O'Reilly, purely for the fact I think Rogic coming on. Um, at this moment, we don't know how, how fit he's going to be with, with, with that niggle. Um, so I'd start O'Reilly, but I'd, I'd bring I'd bring Rogic on for him later in the game, obviously. And then front three of um, Yakimakis. I would go Jota on the left and Abada to start on the right. Right. So, I mean, you can't, you can't really argue nah, with it. That, again, we've got so many options. Uh, Franny, what about yourself? Uh, I'm much to say, obviously, there's no point talking about the back four. That's back in itself. Julian, I aye. Aye, Julian. <laughs> for Carter Vickers, of course. <laughs> uh, I think, like, a couple of weeks after the Livingston game, I was I would have probably put Breton in there, but I think Atati's kind of finding a bit of form again. So I think I would have, I would have McGregor Hattati, but I would, I would start Rogic. I just feel he's he's getting back to. I feel like I can just see a big performance for him at Ibrox once again. Just he, he likes that fixture, and uh, the front three. I would keep it the same as Saturday's front three. I would take my head, my head out in the left, Yakamakis and Yota through on the right, and that would be my front three if everybody's fit. Mm-hmm. Again. Mate, I, I've, I've not got many options. Exactly. What's that, Anthony? Just like we were just saying there, mate, the, the amount of options we've got. I mean, like you say, you could have, you could swap that back, that front three for a whole different, a whole different mm-hmm. set of players, and, and it'd still be equally as uh, potent. So uh, yeah, it's a good, good headache for the for Ange Postecoglou to have. Aye, definitely. Uh, what, what about yourself, James? Uh, heart and goal, Ralston on the right, Carter Vickers in Starfield, Juranovic on the left, um, McGregor, Hattati and O'Reilly, Kyogo, a fit on the left, Jack in the middle and a badder on the right. The three-man midfield was so exceptional against them, I wouldn't touch it. I mean, that's a fair comment. The interesting one there is, uh, for me, is obviously you've went with Juranovic out on the left. Are you know a, a fanny, <laughs> Taylor? I actually am, but I, I, I think Ralston and Juranovic is very hard to choose between the two of them at right back for certain games. And I just, I, I, I wouldn't have Juranovic out of the team right now. I mean, I, I sort of know where you're coming from because there's been a number of games, obviously we pick our 
or pre- try and predict our starting eleven each uh, episode. And a lot of the away games, a lot of us have plumped for Ralston over Juranovic, and I don't know if it's because he's more he's more of a physical presence. He's up for that that battle, so I I can't disagree with that. Um, again, if it if it happened, I would I would be more than happy. And and it's like most choices that Ange makes, and it's not just because it's Ange. Whatever player he puts in there, they all seem up to the job. They they all know their jobs, and that's that's the good thing about this Celtic team uh, at the moment. And for me, I would go with Hart. I was going Juranovic, but I'm sorry on the bat now just me you mentioning <laughs> Ralston and I, I've sorry made points towards it, but I, I've got Juranovic written down. Uh, Carter Vickers, Starfield, and Taylor. I just, I, for me, if Ralston starts, then Juranovic is out of the team because I play Taylor on the, the left of that back four every single time. But like you say, I want. I want Juranovic in the team as well, so I, I think just I think he just shades it for me over Ralston. The midfield three, uh, I, w- I would probably go McGregor, Hatai, and Rogic if he's fit. But if he's no fit, then I would probably move McGregor up and play beat on. Uh, yeah. Just just to keep that bit of experience in there uh, and try and win that midfield battle just protects the back four as well and then I'm in agreement with Franny I would go Maeda on the left Jota on the right and Giacomacus through the middle I just I, I think that Maeda's excellent I can't uh, remember the last time we went to Ibrox when there wasn't a starting 11 that always thought that's the strongest team it's four different teams in fact you're in that just like you say that just shows you the, the, the strength I don't know if many guys are in the comments but get involved guys and put what your starting 11 would be I meant to say that at the start so probably a wee bit later <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you if you're quick at tight and get it in there but hey <laughs> aye, I, I mean for me at the moment Maeda he's, he's certainly getting towards that realm of being undroppable as well and I think he's found his best position in a Celtic jersey out on that left hand side like we've touched upon before I think facing up he's a lot better than picking the ball up when he's back to goal eh, what he was doing a lot of the time through the middle what's what's getting said in these comments here Ralston uses controlled aggression to a T rarely gets but well that's true by the way that is I. Just try to catch up with somebody. Shiranovic had kept in his back pocket in the last game. Jed says I kinda mm. disagree with that. Brown Warrior, Why can you imagine that place if we get a couple of early goals? Oh they'll they'll crumble. Oh. The, the, the fans will flip. Aye. The fighter oil will escape. Especially the hangs up the night. Other propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, I think uh, uh, well, if Celtic get an early goal there, I think the fans will turn on them. Oh, big time! And if we if we do get an early goal, it's well, like you say, Franny. It's going to be interesting. I, I know. See, to be fair, to Rangers though, in Europe, I've seen some of their games at Ibrox, and they have done well. They certainly done well against. Once they get their tails up and they get in front, the fans get right behind them. So I think Celtic have to nullify that early doors, and I think they can. Just the way they start games, I think Celtic will spook Rangers if they if they get that early goal, like yeah. they did in the the game at Parkhead, James. I think that's the way to go. Would you agree? I definitely start on the front foot, try and score early, because you know this this is where they're giving us seven hundred tickets and all that, and filling the stadium with their own fans. This is where it works against them because if we do score early and the mood gets ugly on there, then that's that's excellent for us because we're just running on them. Aye, aye, like like we did in the game at Parkhead. It, yeah. It's just come out. And by the way, there's there's probably no a lot between the teams, Anthony. But I think Celtic of they probably edge it now, and with the options they've got going forward and the way Rangers have been defending recently. Even in Europe, that game against Red Star Belgrade, 
if they defend like that, for me, I think Celtic exploit them and tear them to shreds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we're more than capable of doing it, Ross. Absolutely. Um, you even look at the, the first game at the start of the season, brand new, you know, it was you know, the very beginning of the rebuild. Um, I thought we actually played really well that day. We obviously, so frustrating, we lost the goal for the set play. But then we had, you know, you think Edward buries that one, um, you know, five yards out. Um, Kyogo and Christie both had great chances um, in the latter stages as well. So even then, you know, the, the signs were there that we were we were going in the right direction. And it all came to a head that night in February where we absolutely <coughs> blew them away. Similar to this weekend, 3-0 does not give a valid indication of the game that night. We were outstanding in that game. It could, it could have been five or six, but it not for uh, Alan McGregor having a typical Alan McGregor uh, performance. But mm-hmm. well, it's, it's, we're more than capable of doing it. We're, like you say, you, you, you've got to be wary of them in the sense that, you know, their ground can just be as, as, as raucous as ours if, if, when, when they're in, in forum. Behind the scenes, they're in nowhere near as good shape as us. Uh, on and off the park in terms of morale, but not not that you'll read much about that in the media. But <laughs> we are uh, we're in a good place. So the way I see it, just go and show how good a place we're in. Hi, I, I couldn't agree more to that. I, I think going into this game, Franny, I think uh, even though it's at Ibrox, I think you've got to make Celtic favourites, and I'm I'm really really confident going into the game. What about yourself? Ah, much like you, it's, it will be, it will be a tricky. Well, it's got the potential to be a tricky game. It's never easy going to Ibrox, but I think without like obviously the pressure on Celtic, but the bigger pressure I believe is on Rangers because I like I feel they have to win that game. I think if we come away with like obviously there's no way we've got to get a 15 goal turnaround, so we've got to be top of the, the league regardless of that result, even if they win. Obviously, if they win it, make give them a wee kick, kick on at the end of the season, but they'll go into that game knowing, regardless of the result, they will still be second in the league, so it's a game they must win. Like If we get a draw, it puts us in, puts us in a good position. If we get a win, well, I just don't see how we, we lost that league for, for that position. Mm-hmm. And it's, like you said, if we can go off to a quick start, I think I think that place, the fans could, could quickly turn and if if we take up the seven hundred uh, tickets, it, it could be a nice wee day out for for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm just reading somebody's put their team in there. It wasn't. Well, oh, we've got Craven Moorcock. I mean, <laughs> that's something. That is it, no? We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> down under, no less. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Ricky coming in here. That's another different team again. Uh, I know. Joe Hart. Right. Yeah, Taylor. Got, Taylor Cap- that midfield three's a a bit different. Cal Mac beat on O'Reilly again. It could work, but I interesting. But another different team. It, it just shows you again. We go back to the options that we've got, and for me, I'm this is the most confident I've been going to play them at Ibrox since the last time. When, when COVID first started and it was the, mm. the, the, last, the last set of games we were due to play them and it got cancelled that's the most confident because we were going into that game they were in absolute disarray we would have tore them to shreds that day and obviously we never there was no more football played that season and we won nine in a row but um, I don't think regardless I think we'd have pummeled them at Ibrox that day and went on to win the league at a canter uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, we do it this time around and really put them to the sword. Uh, but obviously, you want to put them to the sword. But I mean, if we win one now, you take that as well. Oh. And uh, a lot of people are talking about like, again, be happy with a point. I get that, but for me, I think we've got uh, we've got more than enough to win that game. And obviously, it depends how the game pans out whether he'd be happy with a point but right now looking at it I'm not at a point I want to go there and win because mm-hmm. I think we're more than capable and we're, we're the better team um, but well, I think moving on and win as well Ross it's, it's what's that Franny? 
if you go there and when it's shown the game at Parkhead wasn't a, a fluke, it's maybe yeah. it's probably it's exactly. shown that you've that you've turned the table that you have got their number again that you've got the beat thought... and it's psychologically it's could be for us. I, I I think that there's no way that you could say anyway that no that I'm disagreeing with you, Franny, but mm. there's no way you could say that that game at Parkhead was a no, fault. No, I know. It no. was it was too much of a gap. It was an absolute trounce, and Celtic were magnificent that night. Mm-hmm. And there was the game was watched far and wide because it was a night game, and everybody seen us destroying them that night, and nobody mm-hmm. can deny it. But uh, moving on to this, you've sort of touched on it a wee bit there. Uh, this ticket allocation thing. Um, mm-hmm. James, I read your piece in it yesterday. I thought it was brilliant. I couldn't agree any more with it. And I'm going to give you the floor because uh, although I agree with it, I'm sure you can articulate it a bit better than me. <laughs> I mean, this, this, whole thing's a, this whole thing's a fiasco now. And it's a fiasco that they made in their house. And, you know, their fans only deal with it any better than ours. A lot of their fans who were in favour of this idea when it sounded good three years ago no quite is in favour of it any longer um, some of them think that the game would have been different for example in Celtic Park had they had like five or whatever number of fans in it I don't think it would have been any different but they, they believe that they've lost an edge in that game um, you know there's a, opinion out there is quite divided on it I'm, I'm actually surprised at that but the lunatic fringe is definitely in charge of affairs as far as it goes. And they don't want us in their house. The same as a lot of their fans don't want them in ours. And this isn't going to change. Their board's not going to shift one bit. They're not going to move one millimetre. Especially at this moment in time where they really can't move one millimetre because there's already open warfare between them and their fans. <laughs> so I think this is something we're just going to have to suck up and get used to. It. I mean, there were some people today suggesting that we should send the 700 back and not take them. But if we do that, they'll take the 700 for Celtic Park and they'll be at Celtic Park come what may. Mm-hmm. And all we're going to shoot ourselves in the fat. I agree. We've got a bigger way support deserves to get a chance to go and see his team, whether it's 7,000 or whether it's 700. And I don't think we can deprive the team of that support at Ibrox anyway. If they think that 700 of your fans won't make a lot of noise, they're kidding themselves on, especially if they lose the early goal and the atmosphere in the rest of the grounds. Did you show them what noise 700 fans can make? So I think, I, I think we take the tickets and we go there and we... 700 guys who go there and have a party and celebrate. 100% 100% agree with that. Almost 700 fans left in the ground by the time we end. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, I, I mean, I 100% agree with that. It's it's like you say, that we deserve, if that, their only gain is that because they have to. But yeah. Yeah. take it because that that's what we're allowed. That's what they're giving us. Just take it and, and have that support there for the players because it'll make all the difference. Just that 700, just having that noise, knowing that the fans are behind you. I know that they would know that anyway, the players, but just having that wee bit of atmosphere and that the back of you just pushes you on that wee bit more again because it's been proven for me and when fans weren't allowed in, look at what happened to our team. We absolutely capitulated. And don't be wrong, it wasn't purely because of that, but it was certainly a big reason. And mm-hmm. if we can get one fan in, or 700 fans, take it, take the allocation and run with it. Mm-hmm. And just put them to the sword, hopefully. What about yourself, Franny? What's your thoughts on that? I, I, I would take the 700. It's just, it's, it's like James said, it's they've totally chucked the toys at the pram. That, that Edward goal, the 3-2 game, absolutely destroyed them and it's it has came a wee bit tit for tat. I've I have said in the past that I would like Celtic to be the bigger man, so to speak, and give them their full allocation. But it's I don't think it would get reciprocated. I mean, Stuart Robertson's came out and actually said that he can't see that allocation anytime soon. Obviously, a lot of that is down to <coughs> due to COVID. Obviously, the regulations are gone now. But at the time, you were allowed to sell away fans weren't allowed in, so it gave teams. And Celtic will be in the same position. It gave them a, a chance to sell more season tickets, essentially, which gave them guaranteed extra revenue. So I appreciate it is hard to move some fans. There might not be 8,000 fans to give, but they can't say there's about 2,700 fans come in for each European game. So there's, there is a decent allocation that you can allow for, for Celtic there. So these 
these fans that apparently can't get moved for this game didn't seem to isn't an issue for getting moved for European games. So there is an allocation there to give more more away fans for this game. But Rangers have tried to sort of give it like they've, they've put out the olive branch with a 700 when we all know it's the very bare minimum they can give. If they could give less, they would, but they can. Right. the minimum right. they need to give is 700. And that's why they've done it. And they're, they're, they're running with the tagline that they can't move season ticket holders. Their fans, like everything else, seem to be beating it up, but seem to ignore the fact that every other Thursday night there's nearly 3,000 fans for a different team there. Aye. Their fans eat everything up when it suits their narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's actually sad for me that we've got to this stage where they, they started it and mm-hmm. it's now looking like they're ending it. And they're no, they're by far for ending it. They're just doing what they have to do. But I'll give yourself, Anthony, the last word on this. Aye, thanks, mate. Pretty much what the guys have said. I mean, we we know why it started because we dominated there four times in a row under Brendan, and uh, you know their fury <laughs> was reaching boiling point. And you know that's it. There, there's no other reason why. Um, and the minute that they um, the minute they reduce their allocation, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in treating people how you're, how you're treated. If that's the way they're doing it, and Celtic made it quite clear that the same would be um, given back, um, because as James has already said in his articles, relationship is at, we, between the two sides is absolute rock bottom now. It's non-existent. It's it is it is less than formal to to put it politely. Um, I was at the the three 0 game and. It was absolutely brilliant atmosphere that night um, without them in there. Equally, I've been there when, uh, and you know, in front of uh, you know all seven and a half thousand of them when we've been scudding them five one as well, and it's equally just as enjoyable. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm sort of kind of agnostic on the should we let them in, should we not? I suppose for the neutral uh, supporters and for Sky Sports and stuff, it does make it more of a spectacle, um, and that's another thing that they moan about as well, the fact that. You know, we get the full stand behind the goals. They are tucked away um, in the corner, sort of out of sight of the cameras. But, you know, I, I appreciate that numbers has never really been their strong point. But, you know, it is, it's tougher um, to, to get 7,500 into a 50,000-seat stadium than it does a 60,000-seat stadium. Um, there's more room to manoeuvre, and literally. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll take the 700, we'll go, we'll scud them, we'll go six points clear and we'll get absolutely rattled on your uh, baby off the perfect pipe machine. Aye, that's right, I forgot I'm hosting, isn't I? <laughs> hosting night, hosting the game. Just, just the hostess for the moment. Just call you Michael Parkinson. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, I don't know about that, right enough. I don't think he stuttered his way through our episode as much as I have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to catch up with the comments again. I think a lot of the guys are, some of them are in agreement with us, uh, and some of them are obviously saying, don't take, I think it was Brown Warrior, I think he said, don't take the allocation. Uh, I will, there you go. Don't take the allocation. Gub them with no support. Shove it right up them. I, I sort of get what he's saying there, but for me, just. It's a sort of tit for tat if you don't take the allocation. Just just take it and mm-hmm. support the team. That, that That's what it's all about, we've supporting right, the team. We've been on the right side of this argument the full way, mate. So let's just keep, for me, just keep that going. As I say, as you say, it's, it's them that started this this whole childish affair um, because they couldn't stomach seeing us dominate them on their own ground. We've been on the right side Aye. of the argument ever since. Just keep doing what we do best. Aye. Aye, I totally agree with that, uh, and that sort of just that that just sort of brings the show to an end. Uh, but I'd just like to say, like, thank everybody in the comments for and apologise because I've not got through them all. I've tried my best, but try to listen to the guys, try to put a wee bit in myself. It's no easy. Well, maybe through time we'll get used to it, but we're just uh, sort of feeling our way into this uh, live stuff, and this is my first go at the. Uh, live hosting. Uh, <laughs> do you think I've done all right? Be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> You've done fantastic, Des. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm, not, I'm choosing never to host, so I'm never, I'm in common. Aye, aye, you're, you're not allowed to say nothing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> nah, but um, have you enjoyed this one, guys? 
absolute pleasure, mate. Absolutely brilliant. Great having uh, James back on as well. Obviously, it's hopefully it will be the same length of time before we have you back on, mate. But it's always a pleasure reading your articles and uh, having your insight on here as well. So good to hear from you again. I, I, I really enjoy having you on this, James. I, I, I really. Uh, I agree with a lot of stuff you say and you articulate it really well. Uh, and I, I like reading all your, your columns and stuff in the, the blog. I think it's top class uh, and it fills up my day just nicely. But uh, <laughs> I'd just like to I'd like to thank everybody in the comments and that. Right, there's Jed Ross and you, Lorraine, Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jed. <laughs> uh, but I thanks everybody for the comments and uh, getting involved. We really appreciate your support every single week, twice a week. The, the regular guys, there's Martin K. It's, a lot of the same names are coming up and we're getting a, a sort of wee Alistair Jack as well. All the same guys, great guys. Uh, and we really appreciate you all. And if if, if you are new to the show the night and you haven't subscribed, then subscribe and just hit the wee bell. Uh, and just... Honestly, we, we we love it, man. We love doing this, and we really appreciate you. Uh, and I'm not going to try and finish it on Stephen's thing, but uh, I'll just say thanks again. Uh, keep it Celtic. Hail, hail. <laughs>